Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And I am grounded today. You got a lot. You got a lot on your load. You got a lot of stuff that is uh, weighing you down today. And that is okay because the topic of the conversation is called Living Light. That is our podcast episode. And we're going to inspire all of us and especially you, Marjorie, to just lighten up a little bit. I am feeling so heavy today, surrounded by stuff that doesn't work, stuff that doesn't serve me. And I just, I, I sent you a text last night, which was not really in relation to today, but really speaks to the problems that I'm having today. Do you have the text in front of you, Elizabeth? Oh, I've got it. I always, I always have your text pulled up at any given moment of, so that I can reread them. Lots of technical issues. Go ahead. This is what you said. You said, in my house right now, I have three Mac Pros, one Mac desktop, two Mac Airs, and two other Mac laptops. All but one is now worthless. Trying to get over my frustration with not having turned them in every time we bought a new computer. And then the next message is, I will get over myself. You are drowning in technology that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And it really speaks to the bigger issue of when you're surrounded by stuff that doesn't serve you, how it affects your mood, your efficiency, how you feel about your life. And there was an article that I came across from the New York Times from 2019. It was written by Emily Lebeau Luchusi. And she titled it The Unbearable Heaviness of Clutter. And she writes, and I thought this was so interesting, Elizabeth, that if you have to move things around in order to accomplish a task in your home or at your office, or you feel overwhelmed by all your things, it's a strong signal that clutter has prevailed. And it might be stressing you out more than you realize. And I think today, Elizabeth, is one of those days. And it's so funny because we had decided to talk about this two weeks ago. But today just happens to be one of those days where a confluence of stuff is getting in my way. (laughs) I walked into the room where I do the podcast. It's our guest room slash my closet. And I have a little desk and I have the one computer that works on my desk. And I walked into the room, Elizabeth, and the cord for that one computer was sitting deeply immersed in my coffee. How does that even happen? Like, I don't what, know. Who put that in there? Do you have like a ghost in there? I don't know, but it's just proof that when you have to like make your way through stuff to get your job done, you've got too much stuff. Listen, I just started watching. Um, I watched binge watched the entire show. Oh gosh, it's the new Amy Schumer show, and it oh, is right. uh, it's called something Beth. I'm forgetting now. Oh, uh, Saving Beth, right, or something like that, and Close um. Enough. Whatever it is. And she (laughs) ends up having a one night stand with a guy. I don't want to give too much away, but I'll just tell you that his apartment was straight up out of hoarders and, and just watching it on television was enough to just go, 
I mean, the entire time I was watching this encounter, I was like, get get out of here. Get out. Turn around. Get out of here. Like, Run. This is not good for right. anyone. But I think there's just no question that too much stuff is not good. And I think it's really fascinating that you're talking about this overabundance of stuff and you needing to declutter. And our guest today is your straight up offspring who has totally rejected every single thing that you are talking about and lives a life like many of you cannot even imagine. And you really can't. Hello, Campbell Punnett. Campbell. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This is very exciting. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We're really happy that you're here because your mom tells me on the regular Campbell about your life and about how you choose to live and the things that you surround yourself with. And of course, you know, we have these conversations all the time because Best of the Nest is focused on making your home a sanctuary and making your home the place where you feel authentically you, where you can, you know, sort of live out your family values, where you can be healthy and you can feel secure and you're sort of settled in this space so that when you leave the house, you can accomplish everything that you want to accomplish. And I love people's homes that really reflect who they are. And yours is totally that. So Marjorie, I think we need to start with Campbell by Campbell describing his surroundings in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for everyone, I live in about a a 250 square foot apartment in downtown Chicago, um, which is basically uh, a living room, uh, a corner that qualifies as a kitchen uh, and a bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's very small. Small. That's very small. And so go through real quickly because you can run through pretty quickly everything in that space, including the cat that I love, Winston. Yes. Yes. So including the cat, um, you know, I I sleep on a a Japanese style futon. um, So that's there during the night. And then aside from that, in the the main space, it's just a, a floor cushion, a bookshelf and a pull up bar. Like That's a pull it. up, like, like an exercise equipment. Again, this is not like something that like, Hey, pull up to the bar. <laughs> right, I'll make yes. you an old fashioned with 85 <laughs> yeah. different little gadgets. No, that's right. Yeah. 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 The exercise kind, not, not the drinking. It kind. is the yeah. exercise kind. So you, yeah. I mean, you're so minimalist even down to your home gym. And then yes. what about like kitchen things? Like, do mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, I'm big into the cooking in the kitchen and I know that you cook too, Campbell. So yes. what, I mean, what are your essentials if you've got such a pared down life, how does your kitchen reflect that mentality? Uh, yeah. So I, I've actually basically only have three, I have two pots. So like I have a cast iron pot and just like a regular pot, which is just like, I need that. Cause you know, sometimes you cook one thing and you need to cook another, but you don't um, have to justify two the two pots. To yeah. me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's justifying two pots. Yes. I'm self-conscious. Um, of all that I, stuff. Yeah. And then, and then there's essentially like a cast iron skillet. And that's, that's actually all I use, uh, for, for actual cooking and uh, obviously just like a knife and like a cutting board. Yeah. Yeah. What about like a whisk? I mean, do you have a whisk? Do you have no. a spatula? Uh, I don't have a whisk, uh, just cause I always feel like a fork does a good enough job. This is, this is great. So, this is, I mean, I'm asking these questions. This is fascinating. <laughs> yep. Uh, a spatula, I, I don't, have, but I've never had a need for a spatula. So I, I wish like, every, yeah. I wish everybody could see Elizabeth's face when you said, <laughs> I don't have a need for a spatula. <laughs> yes. I mean, I have like, just like a, a simple, like stirring spoon essentially. Right. Um, okay. And that it's, 
It's yeah. pretty lean. I mean, I think we've established it's pretty lean, but I have to say walking into his apartment and what are you on the 16th floor, Campbell? That's right. Campbell, yep. I think the 16th floor. And so when I, when I was there the last, or when I first saw the apartment, I was super excited because he's got two sets of windows, one that faces south, which is a city view of this, of Chicago, and then one that faces east. And in this tiny apartment, he actually has, which is very valuable in Chicago, a view of the lake. And so he can see through two buildings, a sliver of the lake. And so when you walk into the apartment, there's a great sense of light. And then the only light he has is a small light hanging on the wall. And underneath it is a reading cushion. And I think I'm going to speak about you, Campbell, and you can chime in at any time that you, you like. What's interesting about the choices you've made to me as your mother is you have streamlined your life so that the apartment suits what you love to do most, mm. which is functionally you like to work out. You're not obsessive, but in, you're in very good shape. And then secondarily, you like to read and you like to cook. And so everything he needs for that style of life is there, but it's so simple. I mean, the bookcase was his birthday present. And I don't know, Campbell, how many, it was like a big deal to get the bookcase for you because you had stacked the books and then even you realized that as a lover of books, you wanted them properly placed. Yeah. How many bookcases? <laughs> it's bad for the books. So how yeah. many, ta- how many bookcases do you think we went back and forth on be found before we found one that suited wow. your particular needs? I think it was like at least five. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. It had, it had to be foldable. Yeah. So it's a metal bookcase that's foldable. Yeah. That will lay flat that he can move easily in his car when he leaves. Okay. Yeah. This is so intriguing to me, but okay. So here's a couple of things that I'm gathering from this. Let me just, because you guys are, you know, you're so intertwined. It's like you got, it, you, you grew in her womb. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like you, you are one and the same. So I'm like an outsider here, like piping in. Yes. So. What I'm gathering from this is this simplicity, but also like extreme intention when it comes to what you're bringing into your home. Okay. So maybe before we cover, because I definitely want to make sure that we cover what, what you're getting out of this, because Mm -hmm. obviously like you're living this way and you are, and you are finding joy and fulfillment in this style of life, which let me just tell you, Campbell is very far removed from the rest of your fellow American brethren, because I have learned through my Instagram friend, Christine, the Afro minimalist at the Afro minimalist. You should follow her. She's super inspiring. She's amazing. She has a book too. She has shared multiple times that the average American household contains 300,000 items, 300,000 items in the average American household. And so what I want to know from you, Campbell, is Mm -hmm. how many items do you think total that you have? Mm -hmm. And then also let's talk about that process of choosing the things that you bring into your surroundings. Sure. Sure. Uh, so I think if I had to count, I guess also depending on how you like count, but like a single item, like does a toothbrush count as yeah. like, okay. Yeah, that counts as a single item. That's how we get to 300,000. Okay, like, okay, I mean, okay. You count, you get it like a piece of paper. It, those are items. I think if I had more than, if I had more than 200, I think I'd be 
surprise. Wouldn't that be fun to count? <laughs> yes. Campbell, maybe yeah, you I, can I, return I, to I us. could. Yeah, it um, wouldn't take long. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> because the simplistic nature of how you live, Campbell, extends to everything. It extends to your wardrobe. You have very, very few pieces of clothing. And the ones yeah. that you buy, you buy with great intention. You're like your brother in that way. Mm-hmm. And then it extends to your head which you have shaved. And so you don't need a lot of <laughs> hair care products. At hey, all. You're like a modern yeah. monk. It's very cool. I'm really <laughs> digging the whole thing. Okay. So when you're choosing items that come into your home, yeah. what's the thought process? What's going through your brain yeah. in terms of making that decision? Yeah. So I think whenever I buy something, I need to be really sure that its value is like a one-to-one match to its like utility in my life. Right. Like, okay. whenever I get something, it's like, I am going to be using this the day I get it. Right. <laughs> like I'm going or, or like tomorrow, like it's, it's a very small time frame, right. That this thing must be like immediate. Okay. So immediate use. Serving my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's essentially, or, or, or I guess for that matter, it's like an, an umbrella, like I have like a rain poncho. Right. And, and that one I had to buy just knowing that someday it was going to rain and I was going yeah. to need it. <laughs> that was probably painful for you. I bet you were like, dang it, it's not going to rain. And I'm looking at the forecast. I don't see any rain, but I know yeah. someday. I, I delayed purchasing it for a long time for that exact reason. <laughs> and then like it would rain and be like, really should have just bought that. And yeah. so I finally had to pull the trigger. <laughs> well, it, in this, in that New York Times piece that I was reading earlier, the one of the doctors that was doing the research on clutter and the stress that it causes talks about how in our culture, we have lost the ability to tell the difference between needs and wants. Yes. And so I think that's kind of what Campbell's isolating there, that when you really get down to it, what do you actually need? And it goes back to that one-to-one utility. He needs a rain poncho. He rides a bike to work. So that's an essential in Chicago. It's going to mm-hmm. pour. It's going to rain. It's going to snow. You got to cover your backpack. You got to cover your tech, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's interesting. And that's a very hard thing for most of us to really truly address. Do I need pretty dresses? Yes. Do I really? And Campbell's <laughs> making, rolling his eyes. Do I really need them? No. But And that's a really hard thing for me to come to grips with. And every time I've moved, I've lost a substantial part of my wardrobe. And that's hard for me. It's really hard for me. Campbell's done some of the decluttering with me. When we moved from St. Paul to... Yeah, I got um, some of your stuff, remember? We had a parking (laughs) ramp one time and I got all sorts of stuff. Some really (laughs) useful things. But but that was a really... Campbell, Ian was off getting his PhD. Our other son, I think, was in LA. Campbell somehow has always been there every time I've moved and I've needed him. And the one from St. Paul was particularly tricky because that was the one that most people will face when they're empty nesters, which is getting rid of or divesting of all of your kid stuff and the life that was. And I'm here to tell you, it's really painful. And so Campbell and I went through two storage units together. And how did that affect your emotional well-being, son? Uh, Yeah, that was definitely a training ground for me. Yeah. In in the ability to to declutter and and keep clutter out, yeah, that was but it was why? really hard. Um, yeah. Talk about and, that. And, and, I mean, as you're saying, you know, it is hard to part with things that are very nostalgic 
for you, right? Which is essentially what all childhood items are. And I, I mean, and, and that was that was hard to see you have to go through that, right? And it was hard to part with some of those things that I still remembered. But ultimately, it, it came down to like, how much do we, in, in some sense, how much do we want to continue paying to keep this item around? Right. Yeah. How much, how much are we willing to stake on actually keeping this item present in our life? Right. Which at that point was keeping it in a storage locker. And then at that, that point of moving would be, you know, putting it on a truck and, and essentially putting more money down on that item to, to move it to an entire different state. Um, and I think that's, that's, that was the cost calculation that ultimately had to, that we, that we had to face together on, on yeah, a lot it was of those something... things. It was something like, I think the storage units were like 400 a month for the two storage units. And then to move it, the, the, the cost calculation was, it was like, I, I don't actually remember. It was like tw- everything we put on the trailer was like $20 per foot. So oh, you could actually make a cost calculation of what yeah. it was going to cost you to move it across the country. And Campbell, gratefully so, was brutal in that get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. But I think when we were talking the other day, what was interesting about it was I think a healthy person always has to emotionally balance out what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I think you came to an interesting conclusion about relationships as a result of that. Talk about that a little bit because I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, those those objects represent something between us and between our family. But ultimately, what I came to realize, you know, was that the thing that I valued most was something that is is ongoing uh, in in the relationship between us all, right? I mean, it's a, it's a way of communicating with one another. It's a way of acting towards one another. It's about our intentions within our relationships that are ultimately the thing that made that 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 object valuable in the first place, right? And that's something that that can always be recreated because it's something that we continually invest in as people and between people. Um, and I think that's ultimately, you know, what has enabled me to let go of a lot of things in my life, which is, you know, that, that, that's, that this actually doesn't contribute to my ability to be better in my relationships with other people, that this is actually just something that, that represents something to me that, that isn't actually important. This is, it's so wise. It's so interesting. And, you know, I think for our nesters to be clear, I don't think anyone here is suggesting, even Campbell, that that every person can live like this. Or particularly, I think it, I have three children and a husband, so our house is never going to contain two hundred items. I mean, I, I like I, they have to have. I got to pack a lunch for them. They have to have a lunch box. You know, just like. Right these things, but I, what I think about you and about the way that you live and why I think it's such an interesting connection is that you can look at those principles and you can incorporate some of those principles in order to lighten the load. You yeah. don't necessarily need to live in 250 square feet with 200 items in order to to have that value of that one-to-one, the things that you have in your home should have a purpose. And then the things that you have in your home, I, I go further where I think that you should, you should enjoy them, that they should be aesthetically pleasing to you and they should be well-made. That's, that's like a real goal for me. And then, and that also you can be really intentional about what you're bringing in and, and lessening the emotional connection to stuff is something yeah. I think all of us can do, but that gets me to like the sentimental stuff. I mean, I don't know. That would be hard for me as I'm talking to you. I'm looking in like a cabinet that's open and I have like 
binders of my kids' projects and stuff. And then I also remember when my parents dropped off a bin of mine and was like, here you go. <laughs> yeah, we're and tired I was of like, lugging you this. No through. longer value my childhood. Okay, so what's the balancing there? Like Marjorie, what's your balancing there with that? Well, the balance became really letting go of the the stuff that wasn't truly touched by them. So okay. what I mean to say is I have two big art um carriers for all of the artwork that was really good that they that they did as children, you know. So that that really mattered to me. So yeah. that got condensed in that way. I saved too many of their baby clothes. I saved Funny too much baby of- clothes too. Campbell, can you just weigh in on this? I mean, sometimes oh, yeah. I see these outfits unreal. Like a little like frog jumper. Uh, that one stands out. There's a lot of photos of me in that. <laughs> I, you were dressed well, um, by my, by, in my taste, by mm-hmm. their taste, um, and my husband's, he thought they looked ridiculous mu- much of the time. But, um, it really, you, you had the fancy, the fancy clothes until you were about three. And then as I've, you know, as we know, you rejected it because your brother was wearing like gap clothes and you're like, I'm out of the frog jumper. So at some point you did reject the clothes, but I saved too many of those. And in this last move from Tempe to, to Kansas, anything that was stained, anything that was, I mean, I think I have four or five really, special pieces that really mean something to me of their baby yeah. clothes. Because I also realized that no, if they have children, there isn't one daughter-in-law that's going to be receiving of their baby clothes in a way that's normal. <laughs> Here, my sons wore these. Make your children wear them. It's not going to go over that well. So yeah, yeah. I just saved the things that really meant something to me. But we got rid of a lot. And then, and then when I left Tempe, the boys were really clear with me that the men – my sons, that they didn't want any of the antiques that were being passed down through the family. They wanted none of them. And that was sort of a hard realization, too. And so most of those were left behind. And they were beautiful pieces. But as as anybody who's been given antiques knows, or family furniture, I'll just call it that, it's not that it has value. Most doesn't. And for us, what was getting more and more difficult is we were literally buying and renting homes where the pieces could fit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's super stressful. That is. That's stressful. That's a really good point. If you're making choices about where you're living based on the stuff versus based on the life and then the stuff supports the life that you want to live, like that's a, that's an interesting shift in perspective there. And and for a lot of years, it felt like a gift because from both sides of our family, we got we really did have some extraordinary pieces. They were quite lovely. I had a grandmother that was raised in Mexico, and her pieces of furniture were lovely. I mean, just beautiful pieces. And I've saved I saved one of I saved one thing from her, three things from her. One, I mean, this is the the kind I of I saved pieces one thing, were, no three things. Yeah, one thing, no three things. But one of the things that I inherited from her was a candle. It was a chandelier that was for candles Aww. that was hand forged in brass with flying angels. It was made in the early 1800s. I electrified it and made a chandelier out of it. It's stunningly beautiful, but it's also in my garage. But that one I couldn't let go of. Because where do you, I can't, it doesn't Okay, fit okay, in this house. we gotta stop for a second there now, Marjorie, because now I'm yeah. watching Campbell's face. Yes. 
And he, and so she's saying it's stunningly beautiful. It's, she's describing it. And then she gets to the point where she says, but it's also in my garage. So Campbell, I want to know. I feel like this is like an episode of Judge Judy and I like being Judy. Um, yes. What say yeah. you about that? Like, what's your thought on this beautiful thing that has meaning, that has yeah. function? but is not being used to function. Like what's going on there? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think things can retain, I think you can value things for their meaning, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. But I think ultimately like this beautiful object, like can't live up to its fullest because you can't let go of it. Right. Like this thing can have a life somewhere else and can be valued by other people and used to its fullest extent by somebody else. Right. And and it's like, there's, I, 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 I don't want to tell my mom what to do with the chandelier, you know, whatever. If she wants to leave in the garage, that's fine. Uh, but, but I think, I think, you, you know, it's our possessiveness of that, 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 that I think it's, it's some sad way, like holds it back from it, like fulfilling its like real, real use. Beauty. Yeah. Okay. I love that. That's like so beautiful to think about the item as having its life. And it's sitting there. It reminds me of Beauty and the Beast, like mm-hmm. all of those objects that were, they were just like, uh, you know, they were sitting there waiting for guests to come. Be our guest. Be right. our guest. And this chandelier yeah, right. is like sitting there being like, let me live. Let me be lit up. Let me be oh like part of someone's life. And instead, Marjorie's like, I will not. I will not. I love you too much, so I will not let you go. I'm going to keep you in the garage. I'm going to keep you prisoner because this is where you belong. And the chandelier's like, please just plug me in or put a candle in me or do something. Hang me okay. from a pergola. How did I become the Disney villain? <laughs> Honestly, how does it right. happen? I'm doing the best I can, people. Oh my gosh, I'm I, dying. That is so good. Okay, but seriously, Campbell, haven't I gotten rid of so many things? You were oh, witness yes. to it. Oh yes, you were witness. Yes. You, you certainly did. You certainly did. <laughs> that but, is yeah, amazing. There, there, were, there was there was contention, and you know, can't can't win them all. Yeah, okay. no, I'm kind of thinking, like, I sort of want a picture of the chandelier because I might be able to use this in a future remodel. Anyway, let's <laughs> talk about, Campbell, then, okay, so as you look holistically at your life, because mm-hmm. I know that this that this minimalism, that this sort of utilitarianism, that right. this applies to all areas of your life. Like, your mom talks about your wardrobe, and you cook once a week, and, like, mm-hmm. you have this, like, really, you know, kind of... It's just like simplistic philosophy about like, these are the things that need to be done and this is how I'm going to accomplish them. So I want to know, like, as Dr. Phil says, I went from Dr. Judy or Judge Judy to Dr. (laughs) Phil. Dr. Phil says people do what works, right? Like what, what is working for you about this way of life? Right. Yeah. So I think the other benefit to not having a lot of stuff is that you don't have to give a lot of thought to those things that you now possess, right? So much free time to think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you know, if I, if I had a, if my tiny apartment was full of, you know, all of this, like, you know, shelves and stuff on the shelves and all that, it's like, I would be dusting all the time. I would be wiping down these surfaces all the time, right? I'd be having to maintain, you know, these things. And, you know, so it just, it, it does, or for that matter, the the very small amount of clothes that I have, it just reduces the amount of decisions that I have to make in any given day, right? Like it is, it's freeing to, to know that it's like, okay, yeah, no, I just know what I'm going to wear every single day. And that's, yeah. it's a two second process of putting clothes on and I never have to think about it anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. really great. Marjorie, that, that's a life I like. I like how he talks like this. <laughs> I know. I know what's amazing about it is what it, and this is what I admire about you, Campbell, is what it means is that 
you not only are intentional about what you bring into your life in terms of stuff, but it allows you to live so intentionally with your time. Mm -hmm. And so you love to read. And so that when I call you, I always, he's almost always in the same place. He's on the one small cushion that he has sitting under a light and you're reading and that makes you happy. And you've allowed your life to be what exactly you want it to be. And I love that. Yeah. Okay, then, Campbell, what's happening with, like, your peers? Because you're – are you 27, 20? Yes, 27. 27. So, I mean, number one, you're you're a salmon sim- swimming upstream here. I mean, this is, like, not the way that the average American lives at all. I mean, we talked about the household. And then I also think, like, maybe your generation is – more mindful of stuff than Mm. previous generations. I could, Mm -hmm. I could see that and I could see how that argument could be made. But, uh, you know, when, when other people like hear how you live or they like come, maybe you have a friend to come over who's like, I'd like to do some pull-ups too. Can I do some pull-ups on your pull-up bar? Like you don't have a spatula to flip a grilled cheese, but like we'll figure it out. And then. She's she's stuck on the spatula. Do they think this is, I mean, are they like, what's happening here? Or Mm -hmm. do they start to go, oh my gosh, I'm kind of like digging this. Like, what's happening? Yeah, I know. I brought my brother uh, to my apartment the first time and he said, never let anyone else in here because they think (laughs) you are a serial killer. So I have avoided (laughs) that. Uh, I think apparently through his eyes, it's, it's too extreme for most people. Um, but, but, you know, I do, it's, I think the other part of this, right, is that I actually don't even know how a lot of other people, you know, my, of my generation live. Cause part of yeah. cutting out sort of like mental space is like, I actually, I don't have Instagram, I don't have Facebook. And those, those things are, are obviously very useful in a lot of ways, but, but I was spending like too much time on them, like when mm-hmm. I had them. Right. And mm-hmm. it, so it was like at some point it reached a point where it was just like, I, I don't want to spend three hours on Facebook. I've gotten nothing for three hours on Facebook. Yeah. So this um, is interesting because what that means then too is, again, that's another way of getting rid of, rid of clutter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've done that as well. And that's just clutter. That clutters our minds and you've just gotten rid of that as well, which is very disciplined. You're very disciplined. It's but I have to say, and it's also curated. I mean, it's very, it's being very self-aware in terms of what are things bringing into your life and what are you contributing and how do you want that to go? I think that's really cool. Campbell, well, like very cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the spatula, but other than that, I feel like very good <laughs> about all of this. I have yeah. to say that when Campbell was born, um, he was born in a scheduled C-section. So it was a very chill birth because we walked in and they plopped, you know, they plucked him out of my stomach and then we went home and it was very easy. And I have always felt like he is an old soul because he was the kind of baby, Elizabeth, that I would forget to feed him because he just was no drama. Like it was always like, yeah, the food's going to come. It's all going to be fine. I was looking at home movies last night and you're like toddling around and your brother's running circles around you and you're just like, I'm good. I'm good. Just leave me standing. I'm good. Don't knock me over. I'm good. And so much to the extent you were an old soul that Elizabeth, you will love this. In St. Paul, we had antique study carols, you know, like old fashioned study carols where like, you know, each of the boys could sit on either side. Yeah. And yeah, like a Mon- cubby kind of a deal, desk deal. Yeah. So we had them in our front bay window. 
on Mondays, I remember him starting this like in third or fourth grade when they started getting a little bit of homework. The teacher would give him his homework for the week. Campbell would come home Monday, sit down at that study carol, and do all of the homework for the week so that the rest of the time for the week was his own. Yeah. That's freedom, though. That's what that is. I mean, I think that's really interesting. That has been your, since you were a small child, Campbell, then that's been your inherent goal is to not have like other people's expectations and stuff holding you back from what you want to do. That That is true. That is true. Um, yes. But I think also, you know, there's a lot of, you know, even I think actually it was funny to hear my mom talk about watching home videos. It was a Herculean effort to digitize all of those VHSs that we once had so that we could get rid of all of that, that space. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and that's, you know, and I think that's, it's just like finding those, those opportunities to, to, to cut down just a little bit, right. Just to, to get it out the door a little bit easier, right. Or, or to transfer it to something that's a little easier, or a little more space efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is really, this is really good. Okay. So Campbell has talked a lot about sort of being intentional about how to bring things in and like looking, I love that one-to-one, that utility that, you know, all of that I think is so fascinating. And, and I've been obsessing over my buy nothing Facebook group. I know that Facebook has its limitations, but one really joyful thing has been posting things on my local buy nothing group, which is our neighborhood. And then people were like, oh my gosh, I would love that. I could totally use it. And then they show up at my house and they pick it up and they take it away. (laughs) And it's becoming like my favorite activity because Campbell, as you were talking about like that chandelier and having it live its best life, I have been thinking about that with like, I just got rid of 12 different cookbooks and I packaged them into little two packs and then people came and got them. And I thought like, this cookbook isn't doing any good sitting here. It needs to be cooked from. And I have other (laughs) books that I'm cooking from. And now people are like, oh, I'm so happy I came and got these and it's so wonderful. And the joy that you bring to other people when you're able to give them something that they actually need and use and will delight in with their mentality of then when they've given it its life, they'll pass it on to someone else is like this beautiful cycle. It's fun, Marjorie. You got to get in on it. Okay. I'm not giving away the chandelier. I'm just saying that right now. That's not happening yet. But yes, and I think it's the beauty if you think of it when we talk about circular economy within your own community. I mean, what a beautiful thing that is within each of those little communities where it's just you're just giving the stuff away. And I know we've talked about, I mean, Campbell knows almost every Goodwill in every state we've lived in. We've donated so much. We've bought from, I mean, Goodwill was a a wonderful thing. But there's, I think there's something even a little bit more special about that idea of just within your own community of, hey, you have a need? I have it. Here you go. I mean, it's a little bridge that's being built within your own neighborhood, which I I love that idea. I really do. I think that's really cool. I hadn't heard about it until you you told me about it. And I just, I love that. I love that because I think that, again, makes stuff serve a greater purpose. Suddenly that stuff becomes a connector and a a gesture of goodwill. You know, it's just a beautiful thing, I think, for a neighborhood. I think it's instead of something that's weighing you down. Okay, so Campbell, before we go, because we're going to run out of time on this call, you guys listen, this is the way it goes. I, I want maybe Campbell, if you can think about if people look around their own homes and you do this in such a beautiful way, the way you talk about this is not in a judgmental way. You're not like telling people what to do. I mean, we really asked you 
to do this just because we're so intrigued by the way that you live and I just wanted to learn from it. But if you could, you know, sort of encourage people or maybe think about one thing that you've done as you look around your space or as you consider bringing something into your space, what's been most helpful for you in terms of that trade-off of getting some of that freedom? Honestly, a lot of times it's like, would I even remember this item (laughs) two weeks after I gave it away? Yeah. (laughs) And most of the time it's no. (laughs) No. Yeah. Um, And I I wish I could give you examples, but the most successful ones are the ones I've already forgotten. So. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I think to Elizabeth's point a little bit is I'll ask it differently is in encouraging people, and I know part of answering that question is difficult for you because you generally don't – it's something that I'm very proud of in you is you're not judgmental. No. You live your life exactly the way you want to live it, but you are always hesitant to try and tell somebody else what to do. I mean, even with me, Elizabeth, we'll have conversations it will be like – do, do you, do you want me to, to tell you? Like he's very respectful of space and mental space in that way. But I think what, what, what we're really asking is perhaps what's been the greatest thing that these choices have given you? Like mm. what do you yeah. get out of yeah, doing Yeah, that's a better it? question. This, this isn't easy. What do you get out of it? I see. Yeah. So I think Elizabeth, when you, when you open this podcast, you're talking about making our home our safe. Sanctuary, right? And truly that's what my apartment is for me. It's very small, but it is, you know, so refreshing to be there <laughs> and not be stressed and not be thinking about other things that I have to do or other obligations that I have, um, because I'm in a space that I fully control, right? And I think it's, it's that clutter in, in, or, you know, that I once had even in my own life that contributed such amount, such stress. And such distraction to an otherwise, you know, peaceful existence. I love that, Campbell. This is so good. This is a fascinating conversation that I have loved so much. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. This yeah, is great. You, 200 Elizabeth. items. Okay, count and then get back to us. That's really, really <laughs> wonderful. I will, I will. <laughs> I would love that. Okay, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. And uh, we have a review from Nancy in Minnesota. She wrote, love your podcast. This is my first time ever reviewing a podcast, but I wanted to review yours because I love it. I love your topics, your guests, and just your blend of information and humor. Listening to the episode today when Marjorie is on the cruise and she starts talking about the minimalist holiday gift giving had me (laughs) laughing so hard by myself in my house. Listening just started my day in a good way on this cold Minnesota day, and I needed that. Anyway, I love your podcast, and I always look forward to it. I know it's something I can listen to when I'm walking my dog, cooking, folding clothes, etc. It's great. Well, thank you so much for Nancy. We still laugh about that, too. What banana. was it? The banana? <laughs> Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? 
Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits, such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side, so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com/podcast1. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.